0: Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, APPA's news director. Our guest on this episode is Ronald DeCurzio, CEO of Massachusetts Municipal Wholesale Electric Company, a joint action agency, and a member of APPA. Ron, thanks for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Paul. It's an honor to be part of your podcast.
0: Sure thing, appreciate it. So just to get our conversation started, I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of, of MWIC, but I just want to, for, for those who may not be um, aware uh, of what you guys do, could you could you give an overview?
1: Sure, I'll give you the official definition of what MWIC is, and that it's a nonprofit public corporation, political subdivision of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which was created by an act of the general court in 1975. And the unofficial, it was really created to be a supplement to chapter 164 of the General Laws of Massachusetts. And chapter 164 is the governing laws for the 40 municipal light departments in Massachusetts. So there were a few things that chapter 164 did not cover to allow the MLPs to enter into the wholesale markets. And that basically was to plan, finance, and construct. And and part of that wholesale markets that they wanted to get into was the ability to own assets. And um, through its inception, since its inception, and this is probably something that that most of your listeners can relate to, Enwick is essentially a a project-based joint action agency. We have ownership interests in the Seabrook nuclear station, which is uh, 11.59% or 144 megawatts. We own partial of the Millstone unit nuclear station, Uh, 4.8% ownership, which is 59 megawatts. We also own the Stony Brook Energy Center, the intermediate units, 91% ownership, which is 311 megawatts. And the Stony Brook Energy Center, excuse me, peaking unit, 100% ownership, which is 170 megawatts. And more recently, we have 100% ownership or interest in a 19 megawatt uh, wind field up in Berkshire County, and just recently, uh, the, the Cotton Solar Project, 100% ownership interest, or 6.9 megawatts. So in total, through our legislation, Chapter 775, we've been able to issue take-or-pay contracts or power sales agreements, which is commonly known in the public power industry. And we've issued close to $7 billion worth of debt. And I might add that out of that $7 billion, we have about $100 million outstanding. So we paid down quite a bit of of debt in our lifetime. And um, I believe, at least at the time of of the nuclear debt expiring and slash retiring, we were the only public power entity that owned nuclear assets debt-free. So that's a a long-winded explanation.
0: So, in preparing for this interview, one of the things that jumped out at me was the fact that um, Mark uh, earlier this month held its 2023 annual conference. So, wanted to take the opportunity to have you talk about what the conference focused on and what do you think are the key takeaways from the conference from your perspective?
1: Yeah, so a little background of, about the conference um, I've been the CEO since 2008, um, I had various financial responsibilities. Uh, within EMWIC starting in 1997, but I felt that we weren't doing a good enough job communicating to all the good work that we were doing. So starting in in 2008, we started our annual conferences. So this was the 15th uh, annual conference that we had. And for this year anyway, it was really a continuation of the EMWIC staff's efforts in providing affordable, clean power supply and other power supply related services. Um, Since 2008, Emlex Power Supply has focused on non-carbon emitting projects and, and contracts. Um, the conference also focused on new technologies such as utility scale batteries, home batteries, energy conservation, and environmental justice concerns, uh, just to name a few.
0: And with respect to batteries, storage, any any sense or, or, or perspective in terms of some of your member utilities that are interested in that?
1: Sure, there's a tremendous amount of interest. I, I would like to say that we're we were leading the way in that beginning. Oh, I don't know the year off the top of my head. Beginning oh. with with Sterling created right. a mini uh, micro grid, and and um, we currently have I think it's between twelve and fifteen MLPs signed up for um, uh, a battery project that will be going live probably towards the latter part of this year and in 2004. So okay. th- there's a keen interest in it. And and given emwick's statute uh, of take-or-pay contracts, we're looking at utility-scale batteries as well on our campus here in Ludlow.
0: I'm sorry. And what was the timeline on that again?
1: For the, for the uh, individual municipal light departments, probably towards the end of 2023, they'll uh-huh. start going live and, and in 2024.
0: You mentioned um, earlier this with some specificity about renewable energy projects that MWEX has been involved with. Can you talk about how um, MWEX has facilitated the development of renewable energy first-member utilities?
1: Sure. I think it really started in earnest in 2008 when we took a look at our power supply portfolio and wanted to divest ourselves of an energy facility, uh, an oil energy facility, uh, which was approximately 23 megawatts we had to find a a way to replace the energy as well as the capacity. And um, we had the opportunity to purchase 15 megawatts, uh, what is now known as the Berkshire Wind Power Cooperative uh, up in Berkshire County. And in 2019, we were able to expand that by an additional 4.6 megawatts. So that was our first foray into uh, wind power ownership. At the time, it was the largest inland wind farm in Massachusetts. And more recently, this past fall, we dedicated the Cotton Solar Project, which is a 6.9 megawatt solar field. And we're told it's the s- largest single-array solar farm in Massachusetts. It'll go live to the grid probably in the next month or so. You know, With Emwex financing capabilities, we're, we're poised to become a major player, uh, along with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in offshore wind, uh, with Emwex tax-exempt financing capabilities, we anticipate being involved in those uh, facilities as, as well.
0: And and with respect to offshore wind, is there, uh, I apologize, uh, I, 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 is there a specific project that you guys are looking at in terms of uh, getting power from, or is that still kind of up in the air at this point?
1: Well, at this point, it is up in the air. They had a competitive bidding process, but with the supply chain issues and inflation, those um, awards had to be pulled back because the developers just couldn't meet the costs of of the winning bids anymore. So uh, the Commonwealth is in the, in the process of, of refocusing and redoing those solicitations. So hopefully soon we'll know and um, again, we anticipate and we're being able to participate uh, in those projects at the time.
0: You know, as you know, in late uh, 2022, MWEC and uh, an organization called the Center for Ecotechnology released a report detailing a new model designed to help uh, MLPs develop carbon-based incentives for uh, MWEC's Next Zero program. So kind of a two-parter question for you. Can you provide additional details on the Next Zero program as well as details on the report itself?
1: Sure. I think to help the listeners appreciate what Next Zero is, I'm going to kind of quasi read the definition of it. Okay. Developers of it, they're very proud of it. And I want to make sure I get it all correct. Sure. So, uh, Next Zero is Emwick's energy efficiency and electrification program for customers of the 21 participating municipal light plants. It's designed to provide the most efficient, innovative, and equitable path to energy decarbonization. Next Zero is designed to help MLPs reach their carbon reduction goals of 50% carbon-free energy sales by 2030, 75 carbon-free energy sales by 2040, and net zero carbon emission energy sales by 2050, which is in alignment with the Commonwealth's roadmap to decarbonization. MWIC and its energy efficiency and decarbonization partners are continuously exploring new programs and initiatives to increase adoption of decarbonization and electrification. Our partner, as as you mentioned, is the Center for Eco Technology, or better known as CET. And uh, a little plug for APPA's DEED program, okay. um, in conjunction with um, the Shrewsbury Electric and Cable Operations, CET, and MWIC Next Zero, Uh, We were able to produce a report uh, detailing a model that is designed to help the EMWIC members set energy efficiency electrification incentives at levels that are fully aligned with the Commonwealth's decarbonization objectives. And it basically uses carbon as a metric. The model determines incentive levels and compares carbon benefits from a range of measure types, including efficiency electrification, renewable energy, demand response, and storage. It also calculates economic impacts of the installed measures for the customers and the utility. And the tool basically measures what resources are best used for what type of of, uh, products.
0: Ron, for my last question, I kind of wanted to step back and, and do kind of a bigger uh, picture perspective type question and get your thoughts in terms of, um, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing public power in the New England region? And also how is MWEC helping its member utilities meet um, those uh, challenges?
1: Yeah, so as I think you, you prefaced there, it, it, it is a challenge. It's a very fluid environment. We have political and social pressures. But uh in order to to in a perfect world to completely decarbonize and electrified, basically meaning your vehicles are all electric, your your heating is all electric, um, we're going to be short about 55 gigawatts of of energy and which is equivalent to basically 50 Seabrook nuclear stations. Yeah and uh it's something that is an issue we're all striving to to meet those goals but if you look over in europe especially in germany they've they've tried to do that as well and they've reached some some very dire economic situations i mean like i said in order to come up with that 55 gigawatts it's going to be costly to come up with those manufacturing costs to pay for those are going to go high Probably more importantly, in the root of all this, there is a shortage of of trained skilled labor forces. And without having that labor force, none of this can be accomplished that I'm concerned nobody has addressed that as of yet. We um, have these targets and goals. Like I said, we're all reaching to to strive for, but it all starts with the labor force. If we don't have the people who can construct distribution systems, generating facilities, it's It's going to go nowhere fast. So right. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that needs to be addressed. and I have really haven't seen any significant programs uh, addressing that. And then other things you need to consider, permitting delays. I just saw this morning that APPA put out their position on on streamlining permitting. That has to be addressed. Like I said, the materials for for generating facilities and infrastructure, that needs to be addressed. supplying supply chain issues are still prevalent. They're still out there. And again, I, I think the, the biggest one is the skilled worker training programs. It needs to happen today. So I think those are the biggest hurdles uh, uh, that we have. But if we learned anything, you know, we, we've learned to be nimble and fluid in our thoughts and our actions. And and I think Emwick and the municipal light departments are are ready to do so. Um, again, our, our our statute, which enables us uh, to finance these programs, puts us in, in, in a fine position just like it did in the early 80s with our nuclear um, assets that we that we purchased so it it's it's a chore it's going to be uh, an interesting time to to get to that decarbonization and uh, electrification levels but like i said uh, the Emmerich staff and the MLP managers and their commissioners, they're, they're primed to address it and, and do so.
0: Great, Ron. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to, to speak with you. A lot of food for thought and, and um, we'd love to have you back uh, at some point in the future as, as a guest on the podcast.
1: Sure. I really appreciate you folks for reaching out and we're happy to come back again sometime.
0: Sure thing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which is produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer at APPA. I'm Paul Schimpoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power.